You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. No, we'll just, when he gets back from peeing, we'll say, you're the hunk, we're going to start recording, and you have to tell us why. He has no idea. He doesn't have anything. I know that he doesn't have anything. Hello and welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your hunk. That's twice in a row. I'm Doge. Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a chunkhead. <laughs> And I'm Carter, and what's the law on what you can and can't say on a billboard? Yep. I assume it's you can't say nothing defamatory. You can't say chunk, chunk, or chunk. That right? Or, uh... Anus. Or chunk. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why are you the hunk? What did you do this week? That was was so good that you showed up to this recording and you're like, guys, I don't care what else happens as long as I get to be the hunk. That is um, how it went down. And the reason, of course, as we all know, because we talked about it beforehand, is that I am making my way slowly but thoroughly through uh, a 12-pack of Topo Chico just inflating like a balloon from all the carbonation <laughs> yeah. inside of it. Yeah. Like the like the frogs from Shrek. Yeah, just really floating around my apartment. My steps are lighter. Um, my <laughs> downstairs neighbors are thrilled. Um, really? It's a great I way to lose weight. It, it It is. Yeah. You add, it's weird because you add surface area, but you lose kind of overall you weight. Just, which maybe you don't lose weight, you just lose density. No, I think, I do have a theory though that at the Topo Chico factory, which by the way, this actually, um, this segues great into my idea from earlier for Topo Chico. I really feel, if you know anybody is this, that is works this a in, real Is this a real theory, what you're about to say? Well, the theory is not, I would say 100% kosher, but the my ad campaign is, if you know somebody that works uh, in Topo Chico in their PR kind of area or advertising or whatever, just have them get at me because I really feel like it's a missed opportunity that there's never been like a radio ad that's just like, I'm in love with the Topo. And I feel yeah, like we, a lot of people- Let's produce really that right that. now. I mean, we're making just radio on demand. Let's produce that right now. Give me a good take of I'm in love with the Topo. <clears throat> Hold on, let me get this, the real song and get the tempo right. Yeah, get the song, get the pitch, get all of it. We're going to produce that ad right now. I am in love. I think it's something like that. <laughs> With the topo. Oh, here we go. Man, it takes them a while to get to that lyric. <laughs> yep. Here we go. I feel it. Slip into a relaxing Topo Chico this weekend. We know that you're in love with the Topo. Y'all can just have that Topo Chico. <laughs> Topo Chico, that's free. Congrats. You zero dollars. You're gonna have to pay OT Genesis for the rights to that song. But other than that, you can just have that. Yeah, that's it. You can that's even free. use my take if you want. That's great. Um, no, <laughs> on to my theory about Topo Chico, and then we'll move on to what we're actually supposed to talk about. I think. That the way they get the carbonation into the bottle is that they, um, through osmosis, collect all the burps from the world. (laughs) So I'm drinking somebody's burps? And then, well, it's the same way that like when you drink water, you're probably drinking water that Julius Caesar breathes a little bit. And (laughs) I think that, I think that, yeah, you're drinking all the burps because there is nothing, hands down, that makes me burp as much as Topo Chico. Topo Chico is fizzy lifting drink. Changed my mind. Yeah. It's the spiciest water on the planet. Why is that? Why is it so much more than LaCroix? Is it because it's mineral? I don't know, but it's the best. Yeah, it's real good. That burp juice hits just right. It's so crispy. It's so crispy when you drink it down. It's also so cheap, which is great. It is so cheap. This 12-pack was like eight bucks. And it's they're glass bottles, so good for the environment. It's a win-win. Um (laughs) Hey, we're not talking about Topo Chico. I mean, we are a little talking about Topo Chico, but what we we're did just really- make a free ad for them. So yeah. technically, this is a Topo Chico <laughs> podcast where we just happen to mention a movie. That yep. falls under fair use, right? We can just play that and 
We can do whatever we want. That's a good point. Um, We are, speaking of things that we can do, we are going to do the thing we normally do, which is uh, finish out (laughs) our selections of Chooser's Choice with the second and final Francis McDormand movie and the final movie of our Chooser's Choice. Uh, That movie is, of course... Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. It's a longer title. Maybe that's one of the longer ones. It's a long boy. A I'm. Long I hope that was listenable. It won't be. But what is? Am I right? <laughs> hey, Dosh. Yep. Can you do me a solid? Uh, sure I don't thing. normally like to ask you for favors, um, like on air, like this. But if you could give me a synopsis, that would really just. Uh, Russell, my gyms, my jimmies. Consider your jimmies rustled. Please. This week's synopsis is written by IMDb user Jay Welch5742, whose Jay work Welch. I'm confident we have read before. They write, Mildred Hayes, a hard-nosed mother, is seeking justice for her murdered daughter. With no arrests, after seven months, Mildred puts up three roadside signs to goad Ebbing Police Chief into action. But the law and especially Sam Rockwell's hot-headed deputy, don't take kindly to the provocation. And the townsfolk are on their side. But Mildred doesn't care about ruffling a few feathers. In fact, she's happy to pluck the whole bird. Whoa. That's a really good synopsis, dude. (laughs) That was great. That one was great. That kind of balances out the big stinker energy from last week. Pluck the whole bird? Yeah, that was good. I've never even heard imagery. Jay Welch, dang! Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm I'm blown away by that energy that Jay Welch brought. That's really great. Um, You guys want to end the episode? I mean, that's it. What else can we say? (laughs) So, if we did the things we set out to do on my to do list today, it says free Topo Chico ad. Read good synopsis. We did it. We crossed it off. We could be done this early too. That's also my to do list. Strangely enough, so I think I think we can call it. No, what I what I'd like to do before we jump in. This is going to be, this movie's a bit of a minefield. Yeah. I think, I think it is. I feel like it is. Before we um, tiptoe through this particular minefield, what I'd like to do, or I guess more accurately, cover our ears and sprint through it as hard as we can. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that somebody sweeped all the mines for us. (laughs) Uh, Carter, why, uh, why this movie? Why'd you pick this? I, um, I every day I dream about finishing my dissertation mm-hmm. so that I can go out and write more fun things like legitimate like movie research and just talk about characters and their relationships to the actors, actors to characters. I'd love to write a article called Margin Mildred. <clears throat> yeah. Um of Francis McDormand's two best actor Oscars and how very different and very similar these two characters are. I think it is fascinating that we have almost exactly 20 years later. Um, yeah, I, it, there's no way to like say that they're in the same universe outside sure. of them being played by the same person. But I think that Frances McDormand, while she did win an Oscar with her role as Marge in Fargo, this is one of my favorite performances of yeah. any actor ever. Yep. yep. Is her as... Mildred. And I think this movie, there's something that's fun when you have incredibly strong acting with just about everybody. Mm-hmm. Every every interaction, there is nothing boring about this movie. Especially when we have, you know, Francis, either Francis and Sam or Francis and Woody or Woody and Sam. Like there's just so many beautiful, Francis wonderful- and Peter? Francis and Peter, yeah. man, we've got so many wonderful combinations that every single scene in this movie is uh, has such an incredible amount of depth. Uh, is almost all of them humorous to an extent in yeah. such a weird, dark way, dude. I remember seeing this movie at the Angelica in Dallas with Chelsea. Um, and I remember being so attracted to Chelsea because she really appreciated this movie. And I, it's not because it's like, I feel like this is over people's heads. Right. But it was something for me that I was like, I very much immediately recognize this is one of the better movies I've ever seen. Yeah. I think the last time I had felt like that going to the theater was No Country for Old Men, honestly. Mm. They carried a similar vibe to me. Um, but it was just, 
incredibly immersive. I think this is maybe the third time I've watched it. And I would watch it more were it not so, you know, heavy. Yeah. Um, I think before I started this, I knew it was in my top 10. I think I ended watching this movie thinking it's very likely in my top five. Mm. Um, wow. But Frances McDormand, this is, she could not, it could not have been anybody else. It really couldn't have. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. It's tough to, you know, I almost wanted to, but that's almost like, too slippery of a slope. I almost wanted to go through like our six roles to this point and be like, mm. which ones are the most recastable? Really hardly any, any, hardly any of them are. No, I, think, I can't think of them. I think these people had to play these roles, but I, I really do, where there might be room for me personally, where there might have been room for, I don't know. I guess you can't really change anything. The only role I would say that feels like it wasn't written for that person, but the person was slotted into it well would be Donnie Darko. Like I could see, I could see somebody else playing Donnie, maybe not but in the same totally way as But it's a totally different movie. At right. It's a totally yeah. different movie. Yeah. yeah. But all of these other roles, it's like there is no one else I don't think that could pull these off the way that these people do. Yeah. Um, uh, just a, a single frame of Frances McDormand is perfect for Mildred. Mm-hmm. Just her face, her. There is something about the jump, the jumpsuit, and the way her hair is the entire movie that feels uh, like it's not yet, but it feels like there's going to be an echo of this becoming iconic. Like the costuming in this movie is like, to me, it does a lot of legwork that I don't typically expect the costuming to do. But like, we know everything about every character based on what they're wearing. You know what I mean? Or we could watch in their on- pockets. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. It's just super thoughtful. You didn't mention this is in your top five, Carter. Is uh-huh. the Phantom Menace in your top five? No. No. <laughs> just checking. Do you want to change your rating of that? Because I mean, you did rate that pretty high. Well, let's, you did rate it. I rated let's figure it out. I rated you did that say the that's one of the best movies that you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Just as much as I could like remember my first, if I could remember my first meal, I'd be like, man, this is the best thing I've ever had. It was probably milk, dude. Probably milk. I think well, I, know I do what love it was. milk. Hey, milk hold on. Is a top do you really love for me? Do you actually like milk? Like, do I you do. like to drink milk? Uh, I do, but I try not to anymore because I don't. It starts to make me sick. Mm. You don't like to drink milk? Mm-mm. I do not like to drink milk. I love milk. It kind of grosses me out. Tbh. Mm. What about plant milk? You down with the down with plant milk? I don't want to drink plant milk, but I'm down with plant milk. Um. So you mentioned that it's sort of like darkly funny. That is Martin McDonough's. Skill set. Big time. Um, he directed In Bruges, Seven Psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um, he also directed, um, oh, what am I thinking of? Nope, that's it. Oh, we, no, he's a playwright. He's a pretty famous playwright before he got into movies. And I think while he's been in movies as well. But all of his movies share in tone this dark, grim humor. Like this, this sort of like laughing in the face of death to get by. Like it, there's sort of this feeling to me in his movies of if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Mm-hmm. So, so he, all of his movies are Shane Black levels of quick. Yeah. Like with the dialogue and the insults and all that stuff, but they really are funny. But a lot of the times when I'm laughing, I laugh, finish my laugh and go, probably shouldn't have laughed at that. That's pretty grim. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that seems to be his wheelhouse to me. Um, something that I think having the humor in the depth of this plot and the events that are happening, something about that points to the objectivity of just feelings in general mm. to me. Um, just of how different things can be interpreted and sometimes taken very seriously and sometimes the danger of them not being taken seriously. I was just going through so yeah. many like trying to break down the things that were happening. I mean, one of the first scenes that we, we basically have, you love, I want Mildred to go up against and just be in a room with everybody I don't like. Just one-on-one, <laughs> just give her. Yeah. Right? But yeah. the moment that she has when her son is at the table, she walks in on her son and the chaplain uh, or, or the priest is, because well, I mean, this is, you know, McDonough has done some brilliant stuff here. Like mm-hmm. some, like this is an original screenplay. Oh my goodness! Yeah, he's got some pretty. It got nominated for an Oscar, but he's got some pretty smart looks at the dynamics of a lot of different roles in America with yes. law enforcement, family, 
uh, religion, and he 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 touches on religion for about three minutes, but it leaves a mark, especially yeah. on those that grew up in a, you know an evangelistic home, which is like our our podcast, right? Yeah, but, right. But I wrote down, you know, it's it's things like this. It's not my super pump, but just kind of the commentary. But he said uh, the the chaplain or the the priest is saying to Mildred, if you hadn't stopped coming to church, you'd have a little bit more understanding of the depths of people's feelings. As if the only way you can be empathetic is going to church, right? Like, but that's yeah. I I love the brilliance of this writing because mm-hmm. there is some things that you kind of think McDonough had hoped would go over people's heads. Yeah. Right. He's like, I hope people brush by this. And I hope that there's a time like on their third watch that they come back or that it has a, a new relevance that they're like, oh shoot, this essentially yeah. is being pretty uh, biased or like being pretty, yeah, it's. Yeah, so on, on the, the subject minds. of multiple watches, which is, I'm glad you brought that up. So I've, I've watched this actually a lot of times. I think this was my sixth or seventh time. Oh, to this watch is this only movie. number two for me. Um, so something I've realized as I've watched it is, I don't know about, Every time I've watched it, if I've gotten a different theme that I think the movie is necessarily, but it has evolved. The Ooh, first time, let's talk about this. I'm I'm really interested in this. So the first time I watched it, and probably Sorry. the second time too. <laughs> That's not in contrast to other things. <laughs> Finally, Finally, I'm interested. An interesting thing. <laughs> Jordan's getting Doge interesting. Woke up. Everybody, come in. Everybody, come in. Jordan's being interesting. Um, the first couple of times I watched it, I think I thought it was a movie about anger, specifically with the line about anger begets anger. I really thought it was a movie about anger and the dangers and pitfalls of letting your anger control you. The revelation of that line is so good. It's amazing. I didn't make it up. I read it. In a, on, a, on a bookmark. Bookmark? In a book about a book polio? Reading. Or polo. Uh, we'll, talk about, we'll talk about Samara Weaving in a minute. Um, oh my goodness. I think she's about to blow up. Um, so somebody call the book. Someone help her. <laughs> Oh, is no. That, is that going on with is the podcast? Any, is that? anyone around Samara oh, Weaving right gosh. now? Can anyone check on her? Um, no. So the first couple of times I watched it, I really thought it was a movie about anger. Um, and then I started to, a couple of times later, think maybe it's a movie about like the power of forgiveness and understanding sort of against your will. But... Ultimately, the last couple of times I've watched it, I think where I've landed is this, simply put, this is a movie about grief. I really think that. I think mm-hmm. that's, I think grief a lot of times is where anger and sometimes forgiveness and sometimes sadness, I think that's where these things can all merge together in a really unique way. And I, I just feel like Three Billboards is a movie about Grief. I think every single character in this movie is grieving something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that that really tracks with what I was thinking. As I was watching it last night, like it, the thing that stuck out to me is Willoughby's suicide letter to Dixon. Oof. I really think that is like the central thesis of this movie. Uh, he was like, I, you know what you need to become a detective? I know you're going to wince when I say this, but what you need to become a detective is love because through love comes calm and calm comes thought. And you need thought to detect stuff sometimes, Jason. Uh, Mm. He says, you don't even need a gun and you definitely don't need hate. Hate never solved nothing, but calm did. And I think that that to me feels like the thesis of this movie of like, if your grief leads you to hate, that's you're going to be stuck there. You're not going to solve anything. Yeah. But once you're able to be calm and and realize that hate doesn't solve things, that's when there can begin to be progress. Yeah. Those are some, those are some, yeah main points for me too. I think something I would add is uh, the malleable definition of justice. Mm. Uh, I think of, of what is justice. Justice can be different things to different people. Um, you know, I love that we essentially have an open-ended ending. Yeah. Uh, with, it feels like, you know, they're going on the hunt for Someone who, even though it wasn't someone who raped and killed Mildred's daughter, it was someone who sounds like they raped somebody. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where do I put the energy from this grief and this anger? You know, what what is justice for me? Will I feel better? And they almost even ask that verbatim of like, mm-hmm. are we, how do you feel about killing this guy? I don't know. I didn't even think about it. Like I haven't, I haven't thought about it much. I haven't but there yet. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think the letter, the letter felt saturated with, sometimes you can just hear the writer of the script. Yeah. 
it's you can self, just insert a little bit. You can kind of feel them putting their hands, you know, through the screen and holding you and be like, okay, look at my eyes. Yeah. Okay, pay attention. And that that letter is definitely well, I think that's that intentional moment. intentional word choice. When yeah. say I never really thought about it, we'll think about it on the drive there. And in Willoughby's letter, he says, You need thought to detect things. Yep. Yeah. Ties that with love. Like I, I think we're supposed to feel like they're making a really big mistake. Yeah. Oh, Willoughby kind of guy. Absolutely. I, I think w- that even I think that this movie is full of protagonists who are in the wrong. Yeah. I don't, I but, don't but I think, think the I think it's possible. Right. It's possible to watch this and go. Yeah, finally some cowboy justice. Let's go take right. him out. You know what I mean? And I think that's right. exactly the opposite of what, what we're trying to communicate. Here. I agree with you. Yeah. I almost super pumped how dynamic the movie is. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is very human. I think ultimately, like, um, the fact that we can get a different definition every time, I wonder how much our actual uh, emotional intelligence is playing into that very moment, right? Like, mm-hmm. what happened yesterday before you mm-hmm. watched three billboards outside of Ebbing? Right. Ebbing. right. What's happening on the news uh, in the beginning of 2021 and all of 2020 and most of America's history, if not all of it, right? Like there's so many things that are coming I mean, Willoughby's, out. Willoughby's letter felt like, to me, I was like, oh, that's the MLK thing, right? Hate can't yeah. drive out, hate only love can do that. Oh yeah, so I see that's gotta be the thesis of the movie, right? So I, yeah. I totally agree. Like yeah. watching it in 2021, I'm probably coming away with a way different read than if I'd seen it at the Angelica in 2017. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, now I do want to say, so- before we move to the next thing, this is a heavy movie. This is a really heavy movie. It's full of a lot of very emotionally and kind of like almost viscerally intense moments. Um, so I, I want to make sure that we do something we try and do anytime this kind of stuff comes up, which is just to reiterate, like this movie deals with depression and suicide in a pretty intense way. I think it might be, for me, one of the saddest scenes ever put to film. Oh my um, goodness gracious. The whole like that... It feels like about an hour, but I yeah. know it's like 15 minutes. But right. that is when he's so deeply sad. With um, the horses and... Mm-hmm. But I, Once I, you I, realize what's happening and what they've been doing that whole day and why the kids yep. got off school. Oh my goodness. And I, I don't want to ever overinflate uh, the amount of real estate that we are allowed to have in the minds of our listeners or in the decision-making process of our listeners. But I just never want to let... Uh, I never want to get into this subject without making sure that we say like, please, if you, if you are ever hurting or feeling this way, please, please, please talk to someone, please. You know, I, I know that movies can contain triggers for people. And, um, you know, if this movie was hard for you or even separate from this movie, if you're just, if you're struggling or or feeling alone or, or lost, please reach out to somebody. That, that's something I always want to make sure that, that yeah. we say. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, a huge, I it's a huge part of this story, but it does not have to be and should not be a part of your story. That yeah. doesn't have to be yeah. what happens. Yeah. What I word. do want to talk about, speaking of things that shouldn't be part of people's stories, let's talk about Dixon. Who's <laughs> Almost by everything the way, in this movie. <laughs> who, whose name, by the way, is Jason Dixon. Yeah. Like, like the Mason, Mason Dixon. Dixon line. Yeah. Well, that's and there's, so you know, the, there's so much about the, and, and McDonough does this too, like the soundtrack does play very much a role mm-hmm. in the movie, as as any movie does, right? It's like, or any good movie does. It's not like this is only a McDonough thing, but the, the uh, uh, what was the song that was playing when he was going to beat up Red? Then, oh, Dixie. It was about Dixie. Mm-hmm. Was it, no, was that the night they drove old Dixie down or was that whenever he was in that bar fight? No, in the I bar fight, it was for sure. In the bar fight, it was for sure the night they drove old Dixie. Then down. it could have been the bar fight. Might have been the bar fight. Look, Sam well, Rockwell. Yeah, uh, let's, let's build our way to that single take. But let's let's start by talking about the character of Dixon Carter. What were you going to say? Well, uh, just the the Oscar check. Like him and him and Francis won. Mm-hmm. They each won their respective roles. And this was uh, one of the Sam last time. Super pumped for this movie for that reason. Yeah, Woody Harrelson had a nomination too. Uh, in mm-hmm. supporting actors. So the last time we had two actors from the same movie uh, nominated in the supporting actor category during the same year was like 1981. So like it doesn't yeah. happen a lot. And we talk about how, you know, those three especially, any scenes they shared together was whew, phenomenal. Like not a bad moment in those scenes. But yeah, l- unpack that that super pump for us, Doge. The, the moment that I knew Sam Rockwell was going to be my super pump was when I saw the way that he walks and how that is an intentional character choice. Yep. I like, 
it's such a fully realized character. Like this, this accent that he's doing, his nonverbals, and the, just the way that he walks is like, I don't know. It's just uh, uh, the performance is on another level. And it's such an interesting, interesting character. And I don't know how I feel about him. You know, even after watching this a few times and thinking about it a ton, it's just so, I don't know. It's really, really interesting. A really captivating performance. Yeah. So I, I have I have similarly complicated feelings about Dixon. Um, Sam Rockwell as Dixon was almost my super pump. Um, he's actually, he's involved in my super pump. We'll talk about it. But um, he, Sam Rockwell is perfect in this role. The oh character of Dixon is horrendous. Um, and it's it's so hard, right? Because I think it's an intentional juxtaposition of the subtle racism and bigotry that sneaks into a person contrasted with a literal rapist. And you go, well, one's not that bad, but two things can be bad at the same time. I think we've said that before, well, actually, I th- on this I podcast. Think, <laughs> I think that Dixon is, is the writer daring us to take Woody's note seriously. Right. Right? When he was like, uh, the whole like hate never solved nothing, only love did. You need love to have thought to to make the right call about people and make the right move forward. I think he's like, let me introduce the worst kind of guy you can imagine right. and dare you to try that. Yeah. Well, and it, it's hard because I really do find Dixon sympathetic in certain ways when he yeah. is really struggling against himself. And in his few bright shining moments where he is taking that letter to heart and is overcoming... Um, like just the 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 muck inside of him, the hate inside of him. He, I do find him sympathetic, but it's interesting. It's what I'm saying. The protagonist in this movie, nobody's good. Mildred is awful. Willoughby's awful. Yeah. I mean, he's probably the closest we have to, but really Peter Dinklage is probably the closest we have. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I know the actual answer. It's Red Welby is the closest we have. I to love him in this. Oh my but goodness. Dixon is horrible. And I don't think he's redeemed. And I don't think he's supposed no. to be redeemed. Um, I mean, he's he's a racist. He's a bigot. He's hateful. And he does the right thing a couple of times. And I think we're, we're not supposed to go, good job, buddy, redemption arc. I think we're supposed to go, man, anybody can take the reins for a minute and do something good, even if they're awful. People are more complicated than all good or all bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's the reason we literally have uh, Dixon and Mildred in the car together, yep. physically together at the end of this movie, because it is almost like they've met in this Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. You know, they they do have so much that's awful about them. They do are both, they both are seeking their own justice. When we have the Rockwell, when we have the Dixon scene where he has beaten the tar out of red, that to him is justice because he feels like this is the root. This is the guy who sold the billboards to the lady that made my boss kill himself, right? Like, it feels like there's these things that they're both going about in a different way. And then, you know, as we progress through the movie, they're crossing paths so often, even to the point to where there is, she she is physically hurting him in the fire, right? Yep. And so, but but then they go back, they just keep having this like, almost like kinetic, like coming together, separating, coming back, feeling like the same character, separating again. It's so dynamic. As long as we're drawing connections between them, both of those big actions, when he when he beats up, uh, not Willoughby, Willoughby. Red Welby. Welby, which feels yeah. like they should have given him just something totally different instead of very similar to another character. Right. But yes. When he beats up Red and whenever, whenever she burns on the police station, both of those actions are solely motivated by hate. Right. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of thought or detecting in those. It's just emotional lash out in hatred. And do this thing that hurts people. Well, yeah. the, and the I'll only thing I will say is Mildred calls to make sure there's nobody in the police station before she throws the Molotov. I will say yeah. that. <clears throat> it is also literally and figuratively from the same viewpoint. Yep. It is yep. from the window that he has been thrown. As long as we're talking about viewpoints, throwing the, I don't think it's an accident that the side of his face that's burned is the side that's facing Mildred while she's driving, mm-hmm. thinking about, should I lash out in hatred and go kill this guy? Yep. Mm. Well, and there, I mean, there's definitely, so I love both of these scenes. That single take up to Red and throwing him out oh, the window man. is amazing. It makes me happy about that, that. What? It was It was a single take. They did it five times yeah. and they took the fourth one. That's actually not as many times it as I would have thought. Threw him out of a window five times. Five times. Man. So that's actually, yeah, those are the actual injuries that we see. <laughs> <on> that. <laughs> no, <for, laughs> no makeup. <laughs> well, speaking of those injuries, 
I'm so thankful that CGI is to a point where we can add those injuries to Red's face in a single take shot scene after the punch. Oh, when he gets punched? Yeah. 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 Um, that was, that was, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, that scene is so good. And then the Molotov scene, there's something, again, I want to be very, very clear and careful. Dixon is not redeemed as a person in this movie. Doing a good thing a couple of times does not change his racist ways. That Excuse takes the a, bad things. That yeah. takes a long, long time to change the heart, I think. However, the symbolism of that moment of transformation, him bursting out this door on fire, like the cleansing of fire, it's very, very symbolic. And when he slides the Angela case file across the road, it's just perfect. It really is just yeah. a perfect scene. Yeah, um, his uh, his character development, or like how he was trying to create this character, Sam Rockwell, um, he, he basically did a, a deep dive character analysis of an actual cop just based off of how that guy walked and his accents and stuff and would have interviews with this guy. And was like, hey, is, is it okay if we do this? I'm trying to, to you know, develop a role and basically just mystiqued him. Like just went yeah. in and just took this dude. He hitmanned him. He and took just his basically identity. became him to the point to where he had this guy read every line of his script. Wow. And he was just like, of, let me see how you say the it. the Dixon character. And then he's just like, perfect. Because he knew this was who he needed to be. Um, Sam Rockwell is, speaking of perfect, perfect in this movie. Does astute. Dude, I think he's perfect, perfect in everything though. Sam Rockwell that. is quietly one of the best actors. Very quietly. Right he's now. super His underrated. His timing with humor when he's in the police station, it's so perfect. But I, I do want to talk about real quick my super pump scene. And it's Red and Dixon in the hospital. Oh, man. This is the clearest distillation of the difference between these characters who are yeah. two of my favorite characters in this movie. Um, Caleb Landry Jones could be in everything and I'd be fine with it. Just we kind, of, we kind of did a long play chooser's choice for Caleb Landry Jones from <laughs> Get, Get Out, out to Now. This. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. But he, when he realizes that it is Dixon in the, in the bed next to him and still brings him the juice that he offered to him, it's so, it's so pure that it's almost like sickeningly sweet in the middle of this grim movie. And it's like shocking. It like slaps you a little bit. Cause you, yeah. I remember watching it the first time and expecting him to be bringing over something to hurt Dixon or something to, or that we were supposed to think that something was wrong with the juice. And then he just pushes the straw over to him and goes back to the bed. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. Again, these, well, these so watershed good. moments, like if we're, if we're, deciding right now as a podcast and laying, setting forth in stone forever and ever and ever, what is the theme of this movie? These watershed moments would have to line up with that theme, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think this this totally tracks with what we're saying this movie is about. Like yeah. the, power of, uh, the power of compassion and love in the face of grief. Yeah. Like I think that th this orange juice scene is exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes moments after Dixon reading the call to love more. Mm -hmm. So it feels like Red is the surrogate and, and, the, and the sponsorship of what that feels like. Well, and Red's, to, that's Red's last scene. He's gone. He's like fulfilled his purpose at that point. Yep. Yeah. We don't see him again. Yeah. He ascended. He just <laughs> faded away like Yoda after that, probably. <laughs> and uh, weirdly enough- You didn't catch actually, him as the hollow in the, yeah, the, the force <laughs> ghost at the very end. We're actually about <laughs> to fade away like Yoda right now. Um, over to shout announcements. Welcome to Shout Announcements. I haven't done a funny voice to start this in a while, and I kicked it around for a second and then kicked it right on down the road. What do you Not want us to say? It. Congratulations. Not doing it. Great job doing your job. I would love that, actually. Great job doing your job, yeah. dude. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, listen, guys and gals, uh, this is important. So listen up. If you don't rate and review us right now, I am going to cry. I'm going to cry. That's the end of He's that. But I don't, I don't cry very often. It's because I'm it broken me. emotionally on the inside. But yeah. I'll make it happen um, if you don't rate and review us. Please do it. Um, we love you. We hope you love us. And the best way you can show us, besides hugs and kisses, is, since we can't hug and kiss right now because of COVID, rate and review us on whatever your podca podcast aggregator, podgregator, do, do, wherever you're listening Podcatcher. right now. <laughs> Whatever your, your favorite podcatcher is, 
Go ahead and rate and review us. Preferably five stars, but follow your heart. But five, though, would be good. Also, please give us a follow. You know, I don't usually ask that of strangers. I know I don't know everybody that listens to this podcast. But for those of you, and even those of you that I don't know, just follow me. Like, I think that'd be great. Um, Our Instagram, our Twitter. uh, Instagram is wonderful. Instagram is like uh, a Doge resume. I think Mm -hmm. it's our Instagram. Our Instagram is so good that I think it's going to be what eventually has us lose a host. I think some <laughs> other something is going to be able to offer some kind of monetary consumption. Hey, Listen, Joe Rogan, get out of here. Get Ira out, Glass Joe. has been knocking at my door, <laughs> dying to have some This American Life. I will 99% say specifically, invisible? More like 100% visible art. Yes. Isn't that Roman Mars? Uh, you're, the yeah. art stylings of Chooser's Choice, which is very similar to the Chooser's Choice the first time we did that with directors. Weird how that works. Is low-key maybe my favorite to see uh, come to life every so week. Good. And so I think if anything, just go give the Instagram a follow uh, to see Doge's real, real good uh, little minimalist art for each of these movies. Training Day was great. I, that that made me That was a hard happy. one. I didn't know what to put for that. That was so good. That was so good. Speaking of things that are, in Carter's <laughs> opinion, so good. So good. I got you. <laughs> I'm I not. This usually, subtle, I see I, this subtle dig. I'm not usually glad that you interrupt me with singing, but I am now because I did not know where that was going. <laughs> I just started talking. That could actually be another name for this podcast. Is just interrupted by singing. <laughs> I thought, thought you were going to say we could, we should call this. I did not know where that was going. I just started talking. That'll also work. The podcast starring us. If you ha- for some reason have liked that, then you should become a patron of this podcast. You can support us on Patreon. Uh, We have two distinct tiers and two distinct fears. Our two distinct tiers are official chunky and two official too chunky. And the folks in those tiers got a chance to exercise their special patron privileges over the past month when we were hosting our Choose Your Choice, Choosers Choice 2 poll. Uh, The folks in our two official too chunky tier uh, are part of a private Discord where we chat and hang out, and it's a real good time. It's really fun. Uh, And they selected Jennifer Lawrence as the final actor for this series. And so we put it to a vote, created a poll. Most of you voted in it, and we're very thankful. If you were a official chunky, you voted in it twice, as per your Patreon rewards. And so that means the movie we're talking about next week will be The Hunger Games. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. This is one of Jennifer Lawrence's most underground hits. Not a ton of people (laughs) know about it. Uh, And then... I didn't clear this with the guys first, but I'm just going to take a big leap. And if you guys want me to edit this out, I can. But the next movie that we're going to be talking about is Silver Linings Playbook. The most football-sounding non-football movie that's ever been made. Our fears, you mentioned our tears. Our Our two fears, yes. For me, it's going to be Spiders. And uh, probably I'm going to circle back around and hit Spiders again, if I'm being honest. I'm going to say Ocean is a big one for me. I just started Survivor Season 7 last night. And I would, I would die. I would just not eat because I'm not going in that water. Are you kidding me? My body's not made for that. The fish are, not me. Yeah, mine's spiders and uh, losing my mind. Mm. But Carter, there's nobody else on this call. Carter, who are you talking to? Wake up, Carter. Carter, we, we've been trying to reach you. The doctors say this is the only way. If you can hear me clap once. You're just in first grade again. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well, we're back. And Clearly. we're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna play extra credit. I'm just gonna drop it on you. Okay. Like this is just Good. gonna happen. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, the the hex that is the influence of extra credit has recently been hey, pushed he- out. Past extra the credit. Extra. Ooh, credit. nice. I, we just had to because it's been a long time, and I think the people miss it. And I mean, this is a chalk. This is an, a movie full chalk a block even. of actors that you might have a chance on with here. We got Francis McDormand. We got Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, Caleb Landry Jones. Carrie Condon is out because I know Jordan was just looking yeah, at her I did, credits. I did just look at her. Um, Lucas Hedges could be a possibility here. Peter Dinklage. Peter Pinklage. Catherine <laughs> Newton, who we see just for a second, yeah. but she was uh, playing 
Mildred's kid, her daughter who gets uh, killed, Clark Peters as Abercrombie, Samra Weaving. So there's there's a handful of options here. I think here. it's Y'all Samara? get to pick three. If you haven't heard about— You didn't say Woody. I did say Woody right at the beginning, didn't I? I well, what about shocked. Buzz? I would be shocked if he said Woody. That just doesn't feel like a Carter move. I did. Uh, so pick three. Uh, those that haven't heard extra credit before, the way that this works is they kind of lose most of the time. But what it is, is IMDb has the craziest algorithm for an actor's top four credits or anybody in the movie business's top four credits of what they contributed to that movie that is considered the most popular. So what they'll do is the if they get nine points and they win, they can get 15. They get the extra credit. So you get a credit per credit that you guessed correctly, one point per credit. And if they can get all four of those credits, they get five points. So again, a potential for 15. Never uh, happened. Only nine to win. A likelihood of like seven. Well, you no. Have to uh, say that. Who do y'all want to start with? I feel like we with? just did Woody because I remember whiffing on Dazed and Confused because I thought I just put him and Matt together in my brain. Do you want to try Woody? I think Woody? this would be the third time you've done Woody Harrelson. Do you want to try Woody? I have no idea what they are. I don't remember. This is the third time y'all have done Woody Harrelson. Go for it. I don't know that I want to try it and whiff it so hard again. I think we should try it. Do y'all it. want to save Let's it? Try it. You, Let's is, try Woody. Let's try Woody. We're starting. Let's try Woody. Okay. Let's try Woody. What, uh, do Let's we, see. What? Do we think three billboards is in there? What films has my best friend Woody been in before? <laughs> It's got to uh, be yeah. True Detective, first of all. It has to be True, true Detective. True Detective. Let's do. Let's lock in True Detective. True Detective, lock it in. Bing, 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 bing. Number one credit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this could be there. I think Three Billboards could be there. I think Zombieland could be I there. Zombieland could definitely be there. I'm more confident in Zombieland than Three Billboards. No way. He was nominated for this, dog. I can't explain it. I just feel what I feel. <laughs> let's feel what you feel. Let's go Zombieland. <laughs> Zombieland, lock, lock it, it in. in. Bing, 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 bing. Number four credit. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Two for two. I think three billboards. Trace BBs, lock it in. Trace BBs, lock it in. Bong, bong. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with that, you got to just frame the bong, bongs as an opportunity to learn and grow (laughs) and become better at your craft. Is he in the first Hunger Games? He sure is. We're going to see him again next week then, aren't we? We're going to see him again right now because I say we lock in Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Lock it in. Lock it in. A bong, a bong. Number one was True Detective. Number two was The People versus Larry Flint. He got an Oscar nomination for that. You Number say three, that every time we try Woody and we're always like, oh, yep. I never would have thought of that. Yep. The three is Natural Born Killers. Yep. Oscar nomination for that. Dude, Who's nothing makes me feel more like a certified ding-dong than playing this game. I know. <laughs> I think there's no way we get Caleb Landry Jones. Probably I want to nip it at the butt in case you were thinking about him. I want to do... I'm not sure I could even name four Frankie Mac movies. We could try Sam Rockwell. We could try Dita Pinklage. Have we ever tried Dieter Pinklage before? I don't feel like we have. Let's do it. Peter Let's Dinklage. Do it. Dieter Pinklage. What are his top? Game of Thrones, credits. lock it in. Game of Thrones, lock it in. Bong, bo- no. no. Bing, 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 <laughs> bing. Number one. Yeah, of course. Eight years as Tyrion Lannister. It's Tyrone, my favorite character. I think three billboards. <laughs> what if that character's name was Tyrone? Tyrone, <laughs> Tyrone Lannister. Jamie Lannister. Cersei Lannister. Tyrone Lannister. <laughs> I think three billboards could be there. I think Elf could be there because Elf is huge. It is. I let's say Elf. Let's elf, say lock elf. it in. Let's lock in Elf. Bong bong. Yeah. What's the the one he like starred in it? He was the headliner. It was a sci-fi movie. It was called like Mind or something. What? Single word title. I don't know. You know this. what I'm talking about? I don't know this. It's called Remember, maybe Remembrance. I think oh. I think this is there. Three billboards? Mm-hmm. I do. Lock it in. Lock it in. Trace BBs. Bing, 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 bing. Number four. Whoa, okay. You have one more guess. You really need to get this because if you don't, you'll have to get the next actor perfect. Do you think he's? Do you think Destiny's there for being Ghost? <laughs> <laughs> no, because they recast him with Nolan North. But maybe though. Was he? Did he voice act in anything? He's got a he's got a killer voice. He's got an incredible voice. I love Peter Dinklage so much. 
Me too. I can't believe this is our first Peter Dinklage movie. Well, it's not because he's in, in he's in Infinity War for like a minute. Oh, it could be Infinity War. No, because when when Infinity War's never been in somebody's top because every single person I'm in that movie. Everybody's in that movie. Yeah, but it's huge. Could be Infinity War. Do you think he's? In, do you think is he, that one episode of Thirty Rock got him there? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I blanking on everything Peter Dinklage has ever yeah, done? I am Can you too. answer that I question for me? I'm, I am I've, too. I feel like Infinity War might be there. Okay, let's do it. Infinity War, lock it in. Lock it in. Bong bong. Number one, Game of Thrones. Number two, The Station Agent. I don't know that. Number three, X-Men, Days Dude, of Future Past. Oh my played gosh. Dr. Bolivar Trask. Yes. Three Billboards was number four. We just uh, talked Doge. about Trask like an hour ago. Rememory. Rememory. Yeah. I've never yeah. even yes. heard yeah. of that yeah. movie. yeah. yeah. The next person you must get perfectly. Good thing it's all our favorite actors and actresses left. Hold on. I'm going to look at the three billboards IMDb, not the individuals. I'm just looking through the names. Hmm. Lucas Hedges, I could get too confidently. That's how I am with Caleb Landry Jones. Uh, did y'all catch? So Daryl Britt Gibson, the guy who plays Jerome, who had the backups for the billboard. He's in Barry. Do y'all know what he's from? I, I recognize him from Barry. Yeah, from Barry, yeah. one of yep. the classmates in the acting class. We might be able to, we might be able to take a swing at Samara Weaving. I don't know who that is. All I know is that you called in a bomb threat about her, Penelope. So, no, I know, I know that she plays Penelope. I don't know who she is outside of Penelope. Let's try for Sam Rockwell. Okay. Woof. That's gonna be a tough one. You think so? Okay. Big time. Gonna be a tough one. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear me out? I think you would have an easier time with Caleb Landry Jones than anyone else. Okay. Do you trust me? Okay. No. Yeah. Let's do it. No, I let's don't. Do it. Fine. Fine. I've got three. Trace BBs. I've got three. Trace BBs. Trace BBs. Lock, lock it, it in. in. Bing, 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 bing. Number one. So get out is obviously get out. There. Lock, lock it, it in. in. Bing, 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 bing. Number three. Hear you me have out. Six points. I'm about eighty percent sure. That Caleb Landry Jones is in the very end of No Country for Old Men. I'm about 80% sure that he's one of the kids on the bikes. And that's a big movie. This is a, this is a big leap, too. Name another Caleb Landry Jones movie. I don't know. That's yeah, why I didn't want to do him. That's what I thought. Go. Jordan's favorite bike boy. Lock no, it in. No Country for Old Men. Lock it in. So that's a bong bong, but I partly want to give you a point for that. I'm going to go ahead and give you a point for that. It is not is it in his him? top four credits. His very first acting oh! credit is in No Country for Old Men, 2007. And it literally says, boy on bike. Ooh. I'm not kidding you. I'm going to give you a point there. So if you can get this last I'll take one it. or one of these last two, take that you point. can win extra credit. Why can't I think of a single other movie that Caleb Landry Jones has ever been in? feel like he's one of the boys in X-Men First Class. <laughs> you laugh at first. The more you think about it, the more real it seems. <laughs> now he is. Caleb Look again. That's Caleb on the poster. Caleb Landry Jones. <laughs> Look at your man. Look at me. Now open your eyes. I've been Caleb the whole time. Dude, I Keep know. That last guess, boys. I know that I'm forgetting something big. I know it. Oh, three billboards too. He's in four billboards. He's in four billboards. He's in six billboards. If you can't think of something, I'm really serious that we should lock in X-Men first class. Do you really think he's in that? I don't know. I know there's a young boy with sandy hair who has a power. It's been a, a long time since I've seen that movie. I don't feel like he's in it, but dang, let's do it. I got nothing better. Let's do I it. haven't heard anything about locking in. For Let's the, lock it in. For the brick, X-Men first class. X-Men first class, lock it in. Bong, bong. Bing, bing, what? bing, 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 bing. What? Bing, oh, bing, bing, boo, bing, bing, bing. Y'all won extra credit. What? Because I gave you that No Country for Men boy on bike. That is his number two credit, X-Men first class. He plays Banshee. What? The kid that can just yell and like have those sound yep. bites that hurt people. 2011. Doge. From downtown, wow. he does it. I, I wow. took the basketball, ran to the opposite hoop, dribbling the whole time, obviously. Sure, certainly. Turned around, threw it backwards over my head. What is that you hear? A swish. It, on the <laughs> inside of the net, too, which is the good one. <laughs> That's the good side. What's, uh, what's his other credit? Oh. 
I was just done. <laughs> I was like, you did it. There's nothing left to do. Uh, his fourth credit is Contraband. He had a movie with Mark Wahlberg and... Um, oh my God, it's Giovanni a Contraband. Rubisi, Kate Beckinsale. Have I told you guys about my lifelong dream to start a country western band called Contraband? Because then I could be the front man and I could say, hey, how y'all do tonight? We're a Contraband, your favorite Contraband. Oh my God, it's Caleb Landry Jones. Hey, yeah. we want extra credit. Congrats, guys. That's great. Can I talk you about my You completely ignored dump? my very good contraband joke. I didn't want to give it. I laughed. I didn't want to give it any you extra credit. You did hilarious. Jordan ignored it. I didn't want to give it any extra credit. I need you to acknowledge that it was jealous. good. I didn't say it was bad. There's a lot of things you don't say are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to talk about my super dump, please. There are moments in this movie that I feel happened too quickly. And I think this movie could have really benefited from an additional half hour on its runtime. Um, I think this movie is uh, deep enough that that half hour wouldn't sit poorly. It doesn't feel like it drags on too long, for me at least. Um, and there are just moments that I wish we could have sat in for a little bit longer that I don't feel like got the air to breathe that they needed. Mm. Um like uh, the the hospital room, for one. I wish that there was a little more time between uh, Red walking away frustrated and having a panic attack to when he comes back with the juice. Like, I wish we could have sat in that tension for just a minute of like, what's going to happen? What's going on here? Um, out on the swing with uh, Mildred and Willoughby after she tells him that she knows he has cancer. I wish we could have sat in that. There just there are just a, a a smattering of little moments that I feel like could have used more room to breathe, and it could have benefited from twenty to thirty more minutes on its runtime just to give those moments some space. This feels like Jordan's go-to super dump card for a perfect movie. <laughs> I wish it was like, more of it. It should have yeah. been longer. Well, but it, it, <laughs> yes, but it's not. It's not that it's too short as in we don't get enough information. I think sometimes right. I feel like we're missing scenes. I don't feel like we're missing scenes as much as we, it feels like there was maybe some pressure to fit in a certain runtime. Yeah. I'll give it to you. I I was happy to be released from the tension. Yeah, I, I understand like what you're saying. I just, at the right time. I hard disagree with that. I love the pacing of this movie. I think it's one of its strongest aspects. That's really interesting. Well, the the pacing of the storytelling, I I agree, I do love. I'm talking about the pacing of individual scenes, and not every scene, just a just a handful. Yeah, a scene that stood out to me, and ended up being my super dump, is I feel like we we integrated humor into the story almost perfectly. The moments that we had it were great. Uh, the the lines, the banter, but I was taken the only time I was taken out of the movie was the slippers talking to each other. Oh yeah. That's the a bunny weird slippers. Scene. That almost was like with with how malleable uh the meaning of this story can be for people, just as like a work of art. It's like it felt like doing that gave us a moment to think, oh, she's actually clinically insane. Right. She's crazy. Which we yeah. don't need at all. I need her to be sound of mind. Yeah. And not just Wild because we get too many things of like her flipping over the beetle. Um, her, you know, my super pump I'll do right beside this yep. is the scene she has in the interrogation room. Yep. Because that was a uh microcosm of the entire vibe of the whole movie. We come in and we have these moments of being able to laugh. We have these moments of pitting wit against wit. Finally, Mildred is up against somebody who can wit right back at her and do it pretty strongly. And then it's immediately cut short by him coughing up blood on her face, which is which is like the like the shock that we get in most of this movie when we get our shock. But then to see her heart immediately, Dude, she she's immediately like, I, when he when mom. he says I, I didn't mean to do that, I'm sorry, and she goes I know, baby, and she's like Ugh. it calls him baby. Oh, that that it break that scene broke. It's perfect. Like I, it is, it is. Absolutely perfect. And so this I movie, think to I have think, is that, at its best in those moments when the humanity of the characters shines through the crap that is piling on top of them. 
It's, yeah. I mean, again, to go back to what we've kind of said as our working theme, I think that's when they're able to step outside of their grief and offer love to yeah. another person. Yep. That was, yeah. I'm stuck in McConaughey. That was a little McConaughey. Offer and love. offer love to another person. It's the only force that yeah. can transcend dimensions. <laughs> the bunny slippers felt sloppy though, because because of all the other layers I see about Mildred, it felt like that was actually in, intended to uh, lean into the layer of her trying to find some humor in the darkness. But it, it was so wild that it made her look crazy. And so yeah. I, I could have done without that scene altogether. It's a it's a, a super weird scene. It it weirdly works for me, but it's weird, and I get the discomfort yeah. with it for sure. Yeah, that makes total sense. Totally, totally. Our scene with the deer is so good too. Did oh, you know that that my goodness. there was a big uproar when the movie came out about why would you CGI a deer in this movie? It's not CGI. It's just yeah, it's a real. really pretty deer. So yeah. that scene does contain my super dump. Yeah, hit me. We really, like the shot of the deer walking away is framed in a way that makes it look like the deer and Frankie Mac were never there together. Right. You know what I mean? It is weird. I saw that. The framing feels like that's deer stock footage that we just dropped in and kind of cropped and kind of colored to look sort of like the rest of our movie. And it just- almost. Almost Almost like a green screen vibe. Yeah, Yeah. it doesn't quite work for me It felt like the landscape behind it too, you know? Yeah. Like it, we, that scene is almost colored like it's a dream or something. You know what I mean? And I, maybe it, we're supposed to feel that it's this transcendent moment for her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my super dump is just that that, not that that scene is in there because I love that scene. The scene itself was almost my super pump. Right. But the integration well, think- of that, like framing wise, color wise, it just doesn't quite feel like it's part of the same movie to me. I think that's why the the, the negatives of that scene stood out to me because of how poignant the scene itself was, it felt like offensive that there was something wrong with right. it. Right. You know? Uh, her it's like, her why like, on earth monologue would you there allow to that, that deer is so good. Dude. She's you're not here to make me believe in reincarnation or anything, are you, baby? Because you're pretty, but you ain't her. <sighs> and then the thing about Doritos at the... Dude, it's, the whiplash of this movie is it's, is it strong. It's strength. Is it strong? It's strong. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just the intentional, emotional, and tonal whiplash is so precise. Um, yeah, we we start to see, you know, I think progressively we're seeing through the movie the exhaustion that Mildred is carrying of the weight of not just the loss, but the how stoic she has to be, how hard she has to be. Yep. Yeah. You know, we have yeah. these moments where she breaks when she's looking down at Dixon's half burnt body. And covering her mouth because she's like, this is not what I intended to do. Yeah, You know, the moment of her crying and then of, of, of Willoughby coughing on her face. Like, she's just like, she's barely hanging on. Ooh, I have one more thing that I think is a little wonky with this movie. Um, how is the grass still burnt? Yeah, that's weird. That's a good point. It's been months. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I want to discuss the end. Very quickly, because we are short on time. That's fine. Yeah. Also, have we said the name Lucas Hedges? Uh, we even said his we've name. We've mentioned him a couple of times, but he's, he's fantastic. He's great in this. Yeah. Laughed but, out yeah, he, loud when he's like, so you're moving out? It was a git. It was a git. It was a, it was a gag. I yeah. had to do it. It was a git. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, Samara Weaving, by the way, just while we're talking about yeah. people we didn't talk about enough. She is so funny. Oh my goodness. And I really, I really believe that she's about to pop off. I think that she mm-hmm. is like an immense talent in her her timing and just because I think she's also Australian, much like Willoughby's wife. So. Or are we getting her confused with Margot Robbie? No, I don't believe I am. Okay. They're two different people, right? Uh-huh. I'm just double checking. <laughs> um yeah, she's from she was born in Adelaide. Um, okay. Now, I want to talk about the ending real quick because, Carter, you said something at the beginning that it's kind of up for interpretation what they're going to do. But I want to talk about the guy, the suspect. Oof. My interpretation over and over again and still is that he is the guy who did this and that he has a superior officer covering for him. That doesn't want it to get out that somebody in his battalion has done this thing. Because here's why. 
why sh- he does he clearly doesn't actually know Willoughby, so he's not mad at Willoughby. So why show up to the shop? I mean, I think there's any number of reasons. Like he, if he's not a mentally sound boy, and he's like, oh, this is like a notoriety. If he's a little pervy, you know what I mean? Well, like, definitely I think there's any- is those things. The, so I mean, I think that he doesn't have to have actually done it to be like completely mentally detached and pervy and be like, I want to be close to this case because it gets me my jollies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I definitely think that is a valid. And I'm going to lie to my friend and say I did it because that gets me my jollies. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that's a legit possibility. I really do. To me, it just, the scene at the end with the new chief, uh, Abercrombie, I think is his name. I thought it was yeah. Fitch. <laughs> He's, he's my favorite. He's my favorite character on the wire. By the way, I've kind of like it. Felt like uh, they are not the one and the same, but both of these characters that he plays are very much like in control. So I had a moment where I was like, "Where am I?" <laughs> speaking of people, speaking of people with powerful voiceover voices, yeah. How's it going? How, oh, how's it going over in the give me your gun and your badge? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it just, that whole scene reads like somebody has covered for this dude. Maybe not. I mean, it could I think be. it's valid, yeah. But I think that's intentionally mm-hmm. left. I think we're intentionally left in the dark about that. I agree. Because, because ultimately that, whether he is or isn't. Doesn't matter. Shouldn't change our, our lead's actions. It's not yep. what's important. It's good stuff. Hey, let's rate this movie using science, the scientific cinema scale uh, to be exact. It's perfect and as follows. The best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy, buy that, that poster. poster. Uh, after that, it's going to be buy it, followed by rent it, and then stream it. After that is forget it, and last but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God hath forsaken us. I'll go first, if that's okay. Uh, I am buying the poster for this movie. It's uh, absolutely a top 10, strong contender for top five. One of my favorites. It's for Jordan, it's a perfect movie. Um, I love this film. Yeah, there is no like filtered drip of what makes up uh, by the poster for Mm -hmm. me. But of all the boxes I can think of to check, it checks. Right. And it does it in a unique way. So I'm buying the poster for this. And I talk about unique because as heavy as this movie is, it does have a pretty high level of rewatchability. Mm-hmm. There are things intentionally put there for you to pick up on a second watch through. Yep. Uh, for instance, like how prophetic Willoughby's letters were. He was basically calling what would happen. You might even find out, my hope is maybe you find out, you hear him talking in a bar. Yep about it doing and that's how you catch him you know so that's that's probably what leads some people to think that's actually who it was because Willoughby said right from the dead who it was right it, it's just there's so much here and it's it is a buy the poster easily mm-hmm. for me this is gonna be a very special rating portion for me because I'm gonna do what's never been done before I'm gonna buy the poster for this movie because it's incredible Congrats, if, you know, if you wanna know why I buy the poster listen to the past I don't know hour or so of our program but the main thing that I want to do during this rating section is, do you guys see this big bowl in front of me? I got yeah. spoon and fork. It's full of like black feathers and some scaly legs and a big beak. Go ahead and eat it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat crow. Just chomp it right up, swallow crow whole, and change my rating for training day to buy a poster because I've been thinking about that ever since I only bought that movie. And then when I bought the poster last week for Nightcrawler and buying the poster this week for this movie... There's no reason to not buy the training day poster. Are you kidding me? It's just as good as these two. And that movie's incredible. <laughs> yeah. And I'm an, a yeah. big idiot who only bought it. So, Hey, let me say this. And we, we don't typically do these in series. But um, for me, I think this is the best movie of this series. Like as far yeah. as like my preferences I so go, I think this is my number one ranked movie of this Chooser's Choice series. Well, we so haven't watched Hunger Games yet though. That's true. That's a good point. Um, Hunger Games is just like this. It's super similar. It's equally as dark. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it actually is, I guess, in concept, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's have these kids kill each other. Yeah, that's that's pretty dark too. It's cool. definitely going to have a bigger body count than this movie. Is did. if they put Hunger Games on like a speeding train after a polar apocalypse, and like Captain America was there? Yeah, 
Hey, Snowpiercer absolutely Yeah, rules. that movie is so good. Um, make sure um, you tune in next week for Hunger Games. We're going to uh, finish up our Chooser's Choice series hey, with two back-to-back. Hey, listen, back. come hungry. We're going to finish up come our hungry Chooser's... We're, come hungry for our games. We're going to finish up our Chooser's Choice series with two back-to-back Jennifer Lawrence movies because that's what Discord wants. And what Discord wants, baby, Discord gets. So uh, make sure you check that out. It's going to be a good time. If you're a patron, also remember that you've got your special bonus episode for this series coming your way. We will be watching and reviewing. Maybe oh. watching is the bad Have we verb. revealed we this will- yet? Yeah, I think so. Okay. We will be subjecting ourselves to Vin Diesel's The Pacifier. <laughs> so yeah, look I'm, forward to that. Which I'm, I've never seen. Honestly because we are not. pumped about a rewatch for real. I have not seen this movie in that a Disney over movie? a decade. I believe yeah, it's it on Disney, Disney Plus. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. I'm honestly really excited about watching it again because I think it's going to be terrible. <laughs> so yeah, I want to watch it that. now that I appreciate Vin and know who he is yeah. and what he's about. I'm I'm excited it's, to celebrate Creative Sunday with yeah. him. Creative Sunday. Its Metacritic score is the the high temperature on Monday. So <laughs> that's how bad it's. Going. It's cold here. Is the joke, guys? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, to end today's episode, <laughs> it's summer. Its Metacritic score is 104. <laughs> They broke the scale. We love it. We, wo- we, had we to. love this movie. We we love to see it so high. Uh, to end today's episode, I'd like for each of us to say our name and to say what what we think Dom Toretto would put on his three billboards to prove a point to local racers. Unlike this movie, which was to prove a point to local racists. Anyway. Dang. Mm. For two chunks and a hunk. I'm Jordan. Wonders. And I think the first billboard would say, no Coronas in the cooler. And the second billboard would say, even though I asked you to fill it up, question mark. And then the third one would say, how come, family? (laughs) Good grief. I'm Doge. And the three Dom boards outside of Ebbing, Missouri would say, the first one would say, don't. And the second one would say, swo. And the third one would say, <laughs> down, because if we all drive really fast, they can't arrest us all. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper to just do one really wordy billboard at the end. <laughs> A lot of people don't know that. Uh, I'm Carter. And the first billboard would say, um, when you fight the streets. <laughs> and the second billboard would say, the streets fight back, period. And then the third billboard would just be a normal Corona advertisement. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.